This is my favorite album. This is my favorite. This is my favorite album. 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 I'm Denise Chyla, and this is my favorite album. Welcome to My Favorite Album with me, Andrea Cleary. Joining me today is rapper, poet, writer, and even leaving certificate subject, Denise Chyla. A member of Limerick's Narrow Lane family, a collection of hip-hop artists that include rappers and producers God Knows and Murley, Denise released the debut EP, Dual Citizenship, in 2009, before releasing Go Bravely, the first mixtape to win Irish Album of the Year at the RTE Choice Music Prize. Earlier this year, Denise interviewed Uchtaran Nehair and Michael D. Higgins for Hop Press magazine and was part of the lineup for Ireland's first pilot festival at the Royal Hospital Kilmainham. Denise joins me today to discuss our first film soundtrack, with songs written by Elton John and Tim Rice and an unforgettable score from film composer Hans Zimmer. Today's album is the soundtrack to the 1994 Disney animated classic The Lion King. And most importantly, it's Denise Tyler's favorite album. <laughs> We are here today to talk about the Lion King soundtrack, which I am very, oh. very excited to talk to you about. Um, tell me a little bit about when this began for you. What's your first memory of hearing this music and seeing this film? I literally don't know. It's mm. one of those soundtracks and films that like has been a part of my life for as long as I've had sentience, probably. And it feels kind of like the fabric of who I am. It's sort of like couched in a bedrock of very specific things. Uh, but the opening of the Lion King soundtrack and this idea of the circle of life is certainly one of them. Mm-hmm. Um, for, for like I, I remember thinking about this a lot when I first moved here. Cause like obviously it's one of the it's one of the only overtly African films that mm-hmm. is not uh made into like an immediate gimmick uh mm-hmm. from the outset and i don't know maybe that's debatable to a lot of people but to me i was just sort of like yeah there's a lot that i can relate to there's a lot thing there's a lot here about the philosophies of sub-saharan africa that i can connect to there's a lot here about like stuff about kingship and succession that mm. i latched on to in my later life but you know, despite the fact that they're all animals, which I might have an issue with, mm. uh, much like Tiana uh, in The Princess and the Frog, I was like, yo, <laughs> this is mm-hmm. amazing. It's so well produced. It's so, the animation is so beautiful. Like it has this this very beautiful way of like communicating a philosophy, which is all about feeling mm. and about like, how it hits you here on your chest as opposed to how it hits you in your head. And I I think it was Space Jam and the Lion King. They were when I first they, they were the Ireland. formative. Yeah. yeah, I was I was in Bray for whatever reason and it was maybe the first or the second time that we moved over here cuz I came here when I was like five-ish uh first mm. for a year and then I went back to Africa and then I came back over here. And in that like one year where I was like preaching the gospel of McDonald's to everybody in Chikankasa <laughs> and telling everybody, look, they give you toys in your food. <laughs> Mind blown, right? <laughs> it was, it was, it was space. They're just jam, handing right? out all this plastic. Like, you like know what I mean? Like it's gone like, out of style. Like, and this is a rabbit. Her name is Lola. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And she's mm-hmm. cool and she plays basketball. You wouldn't know nothing about that, you guys. You wouldn't know nothing. <laughs> um, but like literally, it was like it was like I, I came over here and my 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 opinion of I like being here was couched by this idea of seeing snow for the first time, seeing a lot of white people for the first time, <laughs> seeing space jam in the cinema and watching the Lion King. And then right. going back and being like, What was that? <laughs> That's really cool. (laughs) (laughs) And I I think um, what what, what you're saying about kind of philosophy and kind of how how this film has a lot of very complex um, ideas about monarchy, which I didn't really not take issue with, but I didn't really realize was so embedded in the film until years later. A lot of that is is kind of in that, you know, that opening sequence, the circle of life. It's almost, you know, because it's so... 
it's so familiar to us now and I know I've certainly listened to that song and watched that sequence like probably thousands of times maybe hundreds but thousands of times that going back to it now and and and, and listening back to it I'm just I'm still so floored at how good it is mm-hmm. you know there's so much kind of wrapped up in that opening sequence and then yeah. you know it, it ends with this like boom and you're like okay I guess we're watching The Lion King you know yes Hans Zimmer really did something with this film like it's it's incredible like it's Mm. I I have a a a lovely teasing relationship with a lot of people in my life who are like you don't like movies with real people like Mm. cartoons reach you harder and I'm like yeah they do because there's something about what you can do with color there's something about the immediate suspension of disbelief because like the world doesn't look like that so obviously we're in a completely new universe now mm. and and then i don't know we stumble into the christening of a a lion prince having all these gazelles and zebras genuflect to him mm-hmm. and like realistically speaking this is a dictatorship okay like these mm. people cannot like rail against their like predatory overlords at all like mm-hmm. it's a lion yeah, there's a lion talking to you about the circle, of, and yet there's something really zen about the 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 ideas that are immediately presented. Like mm. I I remember being a kid and like being kind of scared of, but really drawn to Rafiki immediately, mm-hmm. immediately. You know this idea of like a sangoma or like the, like we call sangomas sangomas in Zambia are witch doctors, right? Um, much more herbalist than like arcana and mystical lore but there's a crossover and they're kind of scary because like if you're in a culture that like upholds these things as sciences uh, because they are the traditional lore of your people like it it begins to take on a weight that is very divorced from like wand waving harry potter business you know like Mm. it's very much about like a sort of religious affinity to spirituality and truth that like and a way of thinking about the world and about life that's like so like the circle of life as an idea is very connected to this thing of you know ubuntu like everyone who sings is a child of god we're all connected in this particular way um and that doesn't exclude violence but it includes this con this concept of like there's a necessary life and death and life and death and life and death mm. aspect that we share as communities that without becoming too bohemian rhapsody in this moment, I do still subscribe to. I think it's one of the reasons that like, like we always have conversations about veganism back home because it doesn't make sense in my culture. Mm. Like when you wake up in the morning, you're, you're looking for food. You know, like, I think coming from a culture where, like, things are so, like, day to day, you have to figure it out and find a way to make it happen excludes you from this idea of, like, conglomerates and factories, which, like, mass produce things. It's really just you, your hands, and what you can do to feed yourself and the people that you love on a day to day basis, knowing that one day you're not going to be here anymore. And, like, the very same hands that, like caught that deer are the very is is going to be part of the body that nourishes the grass for the deer to eat and that's Mm. like not fake you know like i think that like you can look back on it and be like oh that's kind of kitsch that's kind of camp like is that Mm. even real like that's kind (laughs) of very a very hippie way to see the world it's like no it's really practical actually I, I especially want to talk to you about I just can't wait to be king because I want to talk about monarchy and I want to talk about how how that kind of how how you keep coming back to that in your music. And when I was I was on my way here and I was listening to I just can't wait to be king and I was like, Denise could have written this song. <laughs> this is, I can I can feel Denise Tyler energy ah. radiating from this, and it's especially <laughs> with you know with Zazu like flapping about, just being an ass, being like, no, you can't do that. No, this isn't this isn't what I meant. Yes. And Simba's just like, no, no, I'm gonna be king. 
It's going to be a mighty king. So enemies beware. Oh my goodness. Wholesome hubris. Malicious compliance. Absolutely. Beautiful. (laughs) I am going to be a mighty king. So enemies beware. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I I don't know. I, I have... I have a thing for faith, right? Like, I, I really, like, for real, wholesome hubris, I just can't wait to be king, is just, like, the best depiction to me of, like, what it's like to be a kid who doesn't understand the concept of limitations. Uh-huh. And to have, like, these two parts of your brain fighting for dominance. You know, like, Zazu is, like, your grown-up maturity saying, no, 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 you've got to calm down. And Simba is, like, that part of you that's, like, for what Mm -hmm. (laughs) like why why and I am still Simba like I do my best to like love the Zazu part of my brain but eventually (laughs) kind of like ask them to go back into their corner because I don't need them like that like I completely understand my limitations I do I care though like Mm -hmm. should should I care though I don't know I don't really know and he did this like entire like dance number with like like giraffes and zebras stacking on top of each other and like nala like following him around like affirming this and i was like this is what friendship should be Mm -hmm. this is how we should all be together because like (laughs) why not (laughs) like why not you know and it's such it's such a pure sort of um idea of when i'm king no one's going to tell me what to do and I I can go to the shadow lands and I can go and do whatever I want and I think it's mirrored in the kind of petulance of Scar in Be Prepared where it's just they they want the same thing and it's just total power but it's it's this like duality of what you're doing with that yeah and I think I mean, you you know this. I, t- I told you this earlier on today. That "Be Prepared" is it it is it's my favorite Disney song. I think it's I think it's a masterpiece. I listen to it quite regularly. It's it's, it's just so stunning. Like I Scar, Scar is stunning. Like I have Oof. a thing for villains and anti heroes, and I always have. Uh, mm. Snow White is not my guy, um, yeah. whatsoever, because I feel like she missed opportunities to actualize in a direction that was like a little bit more than like running away from home. I don't know. Scar is dark academia, and Simba is a uh, cottage core. Oh, n- never have truer words been spoken. Thank and I, I only discovered much. what dark academia was this year, and I was like, <laughs> this is weird. This is weird. Dark I. <laughs> I, I like this aesthetic and I yeah, hate that I like it. <laughs> it feels like an opium addiction. It does. It does. It feels like, um, it does. It feels yeah. like alcoholism and Oscar Wilde and like tall towers and. Yeah. And toast. I'm like, are, are, are we returning to this? Are we, are we really, are we going back there? And apparently we, that's what the kids want. Well, yeah. yeah you know, like, I feel yeah. like my emo phase was this. It was just, hey, I want to be a romantic scholar sitting in a, mm. a tower penning letters to their la- lady love and yes. um, being miserable artistically. And that's Scar. Yes. That is Scar, you know. Yes, thank you. Before Scar. the fratricide. He was a great uncle. I'm not, I'm not well, within reason. Mm-hmm. Before he decided to kill his brother and frame his nephew for whatever which disney didn't need to do mm. he was a great uncle i liked him he was smart he was kind of hot i mean i was just about to say <laughs> we were skirting around something here um which is that yeah. scar is hot um yeah. <laughs> and yeah. i mean his voice there is something about um in be prepared the way he delivers the line just I, listen to teacher i uh, think <laughs> was like an incredibly formative reason for a lot of my later fixations on teachers Andrea, and lecturers and pe- people you know in my what? life. I don't blame you for it. Yeah. Because it was That was not fair. my fault. It wasn't fair. How are you no. supposed to hold up against an onslaught like that? Like I no. did for sure. <laughs> like I just ooh. And and whenever I discuss this with people, they're like, that makes you furry adjacent. And I'm like, mm. well, I seem to recall a time when everybody was lusting over Lola Bunny. 
like completely unapologetically. Mm-hmm. And to be honest with you, I accept myself. I, I really don't care. I really don't care. Scar was special. I think that the next person who I felt this way about was probably Ursula. Like, mm. and that brings up feelings that I don't really want to interrogate about why. Um, except confidence is super hot. Smart mm-hmm. people who know they're smart, but they're not jerks about it to other people. They're just confident. Mm. That's like, because like, let's be honest, Scar was like the drama nerd to Mufasa's jock. Yes. Right? Mufasa was a Chad. He was. He was and, nothing but a big Chad. And Scar was what, a Paisley? Scar, but <laughs> yeah, I mean... <laughs> What is the nerd equivalent of a chat? Scar, but 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 Scar, he's he wasn't really a nerd in in the kind of traditional sense. He he was kind of like a like a like you said like a drama nerd or a poet nerd, you know. Hot is the word we're looking hot, for. Hot, hot is the word. Hot, hot is, is the word. word. Smart hot is the word. And he yeah. said, "Be prepared." And I was like, "Ooh, for what?" For like, what? For the death of the ooh, king. He was like, we're talking kings and successions. I was like, tell me more. There, there is <laughs> so much peril. I mean, that song, it, it, it is so good at explaining to you through the music and the lyrics and the, and the visuals just how high the stakes are. Like what, when he says, we're talking kings and successions, yes. you're like, whoa. Yeah, yeah, we are. This is pretty big. And especially when you consider how much that film ties in the kind of the status quo of the natural world like yes. so when when Mufasa isn't king anymore there's a drought you know like we're, we're linking this in with like like monarchy and how yes. the natural world maintains a status quo yes. and the circle of life and then once that's cut off it's like you know it, it it's all it's so insanely smart it's very pro-monarchy, which it I have is. a problem with. I'm but the divine right of kings for any reason. And mm-hmm. so, like, actually the entire film being hinged upon that mm. rankles. Mm. But, like, dude, I know it sounds sordid, but you'll be rewarded when at last I am given my dues. I mean, hello. Justice deliciously squared. Be pre... Are you kidding me? Like, what? <laughs> <laughs> you know? It's, I was on his side, kind of, not really. But well, I, I well, well be prepared when, when when you listen to it as just a song. When when you divorce it, if, from if the possible, it's oh, it's yeah. a, it's a protest song. It like, is. That, you can like he's he he's coming for the king. Thank and you. He, he wants which to completely do, disrupt that, which you should like, do. Maybe you know he didn't go about it the best the right way. way, but. At least someone was asking questions. <laughs> the gazelles weren't asking questions. The giraffes weren't asking questions. Oh my goodness. The absolute compliance of everybody in this situation <laughs> was distressing. Like, <laughs> and at the, the beginning, absolute- you know, they all just show up at Pride Rock and they're like, and it's like, here's the new king. And everyone's like, okay. Yeah. None of us have speaking parts. We're you just, know, like just this is dystopia, this. to be honest with you. If you really want to think about it, this is dystopian. And they all turned up to see their new predator be- mm. take on his place at the throne. Yeah. And they were like, oh. But that's, that's, that's the, the power. you one day. Yeah, that's the power of a Hans Zimmer score. That's the power when, when, when Hans Zimmer leans in <laughs> to like utter romance and just sweeping, gorgeous, beautiful, romantic score you could be convinced of anything you know and this is the power of music Mm -hmm. (laughs) dare dare we say dare we say (laughs) (laughs) i i do feel that like when it comes to disney and the way they've handled their villains like eternally i've always felt this way is that that Mm. somehow they're just always more interesting to me like they're just Jafar, who's just Scar, but now a human. And then every evil queen ever. Adore. I like mm-hmm. I, I I watch those movies and I'm like, mm. I don't understand where the pushback is coming from from the people in your life. Like you're doing yeah. a great job. I love Hades. This for you. 
Dude, Hades. Hades is a big one for me. Can we talk about Hades? Yeah? Yes. Because Hades was like witty and quick and honestly hot too. In oh, a yeah. way. But like, okay, and let's and let's visit this truth underpinning all of this. All of these people are insanely queer coded. Yes. Insanely. And and there's <laughs> and there's a lot of criticism that you can definitely level at Disney for the Doing queering that. of their villains. Yes. But it does not mean I am not appreciative of the fact that all of these that villains are hot. queer. Do you know what I mean? And powerful. Thank you. And smart. Thank you. You know? Yeah. Because like if Mufasa was supposed to be like your cis straight jock, right? Oh, Mufasa's so boring. I just <laughs> I'm just gonna say it. He doesn't even have a song. Like, <laughs> he shows I up in the clouds. Like the sort of like iconic father figure type, sure. But to me, also in this film, like comprised solely of like black characters, Mufasa was white, bro. <laughs> <laughs> so much i was like where is this coming from and why do i feel this way because this is james Earl Jones. let's talk about timon and pumba because oh, they have yes one of i think the most emotional moment for me and i include of course the death of mufasa in that the mm. most emotional <laughs> moment for me is at the end of Can You Feel the Love Tonight? And Timon <laughs> delivers the line, and if he falls in love with her, it can be assumed his carefree days with us are history. In short, our pal is doomed. Doomed. Uh, doomed. <laughs> <laughs> I, I can't <laughs> get through that without crying. I'm serious. I, I don't cry at all, all, all of the like, Huge moments that like beautiful vocal delivery in that song. I cry when Timon comes back in. <laughs> you know? Oh my gosh. I'm I'm actually trying to hold it together right now because <laughs> I'm so deeply amused. And it is because I come from the entire opposite end of that spectrum. Where I always cried too, but of laughter. Because oh. it never escaped me that like, okay, here are Simba and Nala. A reunion, mm. a beautiful reacquaintance. Hot There's times. There's emotion in the air. There are fireflies glimmering. Oh my goodness, it is dark, it is twilight. They are rolling mm. around literally in the hay together. Mm -hmm. She's and lying down. Up. He's lying down. She's looking in at him. In fact, there's like a lot of femdom going on here. She's pinning him. Okay. Mm -hmm. Like Simba's discovering things about himself that he never knew. And. <laughs> buddies his friends his pals watching him creepily from the bushes mm -hmm. observing it all like it, all of it all of it they just watched they stood there and i was just even as a young child who did not have the words for these terms i was like what kind of voyeuristic intention <laughs> is this going on here like like let's do the time warp again what is happening with these people like <laughs> <laughs> I never thought about that aspect of it. <laughs> Genuinely. I thought that Timon and Pumbaa come in at the beginning and they they can see what's happening and they don't have a clue, etc. And then Simba and Nala kind of sneak away. But uh -huh. I think, yeah, maybe at some point they followed them and found them again. But I always thought that, you know, there was maybe a Andrea, bit of privacy there. they were there. in the bushes. But no, they were, and they they were in the bushes. they the refrain of the song. They knew the song well enough that by the end of the song, they sang the song <laughs> with their own remix. And they said, and if he falls in love with her. Beautiful. <laughs> and I was just like, bro, am I witnessing the end of a beautiful throuple? Like, did I not know something about what Simone Pumba, Timon, Pumba, and Simba were doing together because, like, they are, they are, they were sad. Mm. They were going through a breakup. Like, they were, they were feeling like as an adult looking back at it, it's always just because I'm always sensitive to how relationships, like romantic relationships, are modeled as this thing that takes you away from everything good in your life, including your friendships, including mm -hmm. the things and the people who care about you before. And I was like, oh. Leave her. 
Yes. What are you doing? Like, yeah. clearly this is a bad thing for Simba. I, He's happy. I, I also don't understand why they couldn't have looked at this new union and been like, hey, a new friend, Nala. Because obviously she was cooler than him. Let's just, mm. let's just, you know, she she was down. She was mm. fun. She clearly could best their pal. Yeah. Super strong femme character doing her thing. And uh, here they come like, oh, yeah, she's a girl. She's going to ruin it all. We yeah. didn't sign up for this. You guys, this is the end. He's dead now. Oh, We're- God. It's sexist, isn't it? I don't yeah, know. Yeah, it is. <laughs> <laughs> God Oh, my gosh. It. I'm sorry. <laughs> damn. I didn't know. I just I didn't know. know, Denise. I know. I know. I didn't either. I watched it again after the remake came mm. out and I was like observing things with my new adult braid and I was like, ah. That's oh, that's not like good. <laughs> yeah. It was it was weird. It was like mm. again the woman who puts the ball and chain on you and like snatches you away from your bros and like you had such a cool life before, but here she comes. Incidentally, this is why every single partner I've had in my life, I've just been like, don't call me your girlfriend. Mm. You know, like, then you'll forget that I'm your friend. Like, call me your partner if you really mm-hmm. need to. Do we have a civil partnership? Are are we are we doing a weird... Like, nobody knows what our situation is, but, like, that's for the best. Mm-hmm. I agree. <laughs> I mean, Nala... Nala just wanted to restore peace to the world. I think Nala was the one really on the journey, but we just kind of didn't get to see it. Like she she had a road movie that we didn't get to see. I think um, so. How did I she do. find him? You know? You know, she was resourceful in a way that like we need to like look into that cuz like when it comes to like the whole succession of kings and things like that, she was like the Dora Milaje in Black Panther. She was like Natasha Romanoff or someone who just had a mission and mm. was clearly more concerned with the fate of the people than Simba ever was. Because mm-hmm. kingship for him was about like self-actualization, which isn't a bad thing. Like he mm. wanted more freedom than he was afforded. She wanted better for everyone around her. She wanted food for her family. She wanted food for her family. Yeah. Oh my gosh, why would you say it like that? No one's doing this. <laughs> and it's just, you know, like she she would have been a great queen. And we don't talk yeah. about queens in the light. No, we don't. No, we don't. Because like again, and this is the issue that I have with kingship and queenship and all of this stuff is that like the king is afforded the privilege of a nuanced personality, afforded mm. the privilege and entitled to their humanity. The queen is entitled to self-sacrifice mm-hmm. only. You know, this is the way you actualize yourself as a queen yeah. is if you're able to be a good support system to the person who's actually running the show. And and to be this kind of translator of the domestic side of yes. the people, like yes. the the there's a moment um, towards the end when Simba returns to Pride Rock and he sees his mother, and she and the other lady lions are all there, and they're the ones lady that are lions. talking about lady lions. Um, <laughs> they're they're the ones that are saying there's no food. You know, they're the ones that yeah. are saying we can't feed the young. Whereas all of the men we've really encountered have been really selfish. All of them, yeah. Uh, and even Mufasa, like Mufasa yeah. had this kind of like stoic um, sort of separation from his people that the queen in that situation doesn't have the privilege of having because she yes. is she has sisters and friends and yeah. she's very much in the kind of social group of women and domestic yeah. life you know it's and yeah may i add that this is incredibly a biological because mm-hmm. when it comes to the way lions <laughs> actually work uh you're not likely like maybe your your lion is doing the thing and being the king of the jungle the lionesses are the ones who hunt mm-hmm. the lionesses are the ones who provide structure 
the lionesses are the ones who actually decide ultimately who your 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 head honcho is because they pick a person and they decide okay this is what works you know and so the power dynamic as we see it through a human lens is completely skewed it's like people looking at wolves and having this like fetishization of like alpha beta omega dynamics when wolves don't actually work like that chickens mm-hmm. probably work more like that than wolves work like that to be honest with you fun fact yeah but, like that's but not we, how we don't we work. don't necessarily see the incels uh worshiping the the, the, the chicken pack dynamic yes and this is because hens are all <laughs> lesbians <laughs> that that is a fact <laughs> That is a fact. I I wouldn't go as far as that, but I will say that we did some things to some chickens and now they have some feelings and they're happy. Okay. (laughs) Like this is, this is just chicken life. Uh, Go argue with your mama. But like, Mm -hmm. I, I, I really love that Sarabi and Nala had that, but I hate how it was depicted just because like, if Simba is gone, you know, like they would find another person. They'd be fine. They would be okay. Actually, for a large majority of the time, most lionesses just decide, okay, I'm not waiting for you. We've got some Mm. things to do. And they would just get on with it, you know? Like, they wouldn't be like, hey, you're a king. Mm -hmm. Remember that you're a king. And Simba could be happy with his, you know, homoromantic relationships with Timon and Pumbaa. We'd be happy for him. Mm -hmm. Nala could take on her rightful place as king and lead the entirety of Pride Rock into a new and wonderful era of, like, revolutionary, like, whatever she wanted to do, which we don't know. Because, mm. like, we actually don't know a lot about Nala, except that she liked Simba and was better than him. Mm. Can I also say, on the leading Pride Rock into a new revolutionary era, one of Scar's um, political points in his campaign oh was, God, the in- <laughs> was the inclusion of food for hyenas, who yes. had been excluded from the... From the circle of life, they're not included in that, and yes. they're they're pariahs. And yes. Scar Scar wanted them to be involved, and I like that because <laughs> you 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 can't just say all hyenas are bad. Hyenas aren't doing anything that lions aren't doing. Honestly, like like where where's the coup of the century? The well, coup of the century. The coup of the century. Oh, tenacity spanning. And there's planning. That bit at the end, what the the bit that always makes me just have like tingles is when it's towards the end of the song and the chorus of hyenas come in and they're singing, We'll have food, lots of food. Yeah. And that that is oof, I have I've tingles now thinking about that, how that's delivered. And it is just this instinctual base thing of we would also like to survive, please. Yeah, and here, here, here is this, you know, populist, like p- potential future dictator, but he's promising us food. So we're going to we're going to follow him. And mm-hmm. and that to me is incredibly sad. It's very sad. Like, I, I can't move away from the fact that Scar wanted their he was lobbying for them for the reason for because he needed people to be on his side mm-hmm. but why did he need people to be on his side well because he was not respected because he was not seen for and i quote the wonder that he was and mm-hmm. he was living within a framework where his brand of masculinity was spurned because he lent on his intellect as opposed to his machismo and his muscle mm-hmm. and i find this re- look at death to toxic masculinity without all that happening none of this would have had to happen because we would have had safer ways to i guess find a, a, a really good way to succeed the throne based mm-hmm. on people's merits and not on who looked more like a jock and a knight in mm-hmm. shining armor. Um, who was born first. Who was born first. Like I don't um, understand why Scar couldn't have like worked in some kind of an advisory role. You know? Well, because he was he was here for the drama. Like this yes. was Bad Girls Club 2.0. Like <laughs> he was not trying to bow to his brother. And I, I respect this too. Like mm-hmm. but for some reason he couldn't just go and find another pride and 
Uh, this I've never understood. Like, I don't know why this one rock was the only rock in the entirety of sub-Saharan Africa that they <laughs> fight for. But, like, so be it, you know? Like, I... It was a nice rock. It was a good It, it was rock. nice. It had pointy bits. Yo. That uh, bit that goes up. Yeah. Un- unpopular <laughs> opinion. Hot take. Rafiki should have been the king of all mm. the surveyed. It should have been Rafiki. Because, like, outside of all of this, he was ready to lead everybody into, like, a very healthy spiritual revolution that began from the inside and, like, came out into community service. And he was kind of already doing that. Mm. Um, and, and he was doing it well, while also not getting caught up in the trappings of, like, safari capitalism. I don't understand what was happening here. How is this capitalist movie but we don't have any money because these are yes. lions? Like mm-hmm. what? Mm-hmm. What? I th- I think R- Rafiki is, is an incredible. I I I'm I'm annoyed that his his little he has teeny tiny musical moments in it and I'm so sad that they don't come with the soundtrack because they're beautiful and I I would listen to his voice like we get to hear him speak so like infrequently yes. and when he does speak he has this incredible voice like yes. it's, it's almost kind of asmr inducing yes. and i want to just kind of follow him around and you know when like when i was a kid and when i was watching the lion king he he was just really kind of funny and i was like yeah i, I love this guy he's hilarious and then mm-hmm. when you when you kind of grow up a little bit and you, you're like oh he's wow he yeah. should be king He's maybe but but he should be king in in that way where it's like you know pe- people say that thing of like i will never be a uh, a member of i don't want to be a member of a club that would have me as a member similar to that he should be king because he would never want to be king he doesn't have the That's desire exactly to be it. king it's like a who who pulled this the sword from the stone you know that guy yeah like the guy who didn't need to the guy didn't yeah. really want to yeah who didn't want to that's that's who he is and yeah. he's 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 an incredibly important part of that film and I'm sad that he doesn't get a more extensive musical moment because mm-hmm. this film so much of this the majority of the storytelling is told through music and it I'm is. sad that Rafiki didn't have a bit more of that how far deep do you want to go into Rafiki discourse because like, yes please go, yeah okay oh yeah so I'm a huge fantasy buff and I like to like dissect different tropes and um there are there are books I, I read books within books and the reason I do what I do is because I'm always so aware of how high fantasy depicts blackness and black characters Rafiki is the quintessential magical negro who decides not to be and I find that really interesting he's more like Baron Samedi like um, a Haitian sort of like voodoo uh, member of a pantheon than he is like the guy who comes up and gives you advice for the sake of giving you advice. There's like a mysticism mm-hmm. that he retains and an uncontrollable sort of like otherness that he retains, which I really love because Simba has to go to him and pass a test and like mm. remain um, kind of confused for a really long time and get angry at the idea that he's not just going to be spoon fed into his destiny by this person who's just like, yeah, you came to me. Um mm-hmm. Whereas more often than not, when this happens in like fantasy and sci-fi, you find like your stereotypical black character who's there with like their pendants and chains mm. and stuff. To, your oracles. Like, and- yeah, to teach mm. Lance the Brave to use the pendant. And then like the answer is always like the power within or like love was always going to motivate you. Gosh, Harry Potter. Mm. Um, <laughs> but like... It, it was really fascinating to me to see that Rafiki occupies and frustrates slightly this space. Not completely, mm. but like very, enough that it's like interesting for its time that the mm. witch doctor isn't here to stroke your ego or make you feel like you can just tap into them and that they're going to die for you and sacrifice for you and that this is still your journey. And they are still a professional hmm. who you do still have to respect. And he's busy. He's doing his own thing. He's just going to look at you and go, on. who are you? 
<laughs> you know, like I hear that in my head sometimes when I'm writing music, like, mm. like why, you know, the themes that come up for us are definitely themes that are anchored in our more, our, in our earlier experiences. Maybe this is like a Jungian thing where like it worked its way into my dreams and now it's working its way into my life. Mm. But like, it's really beautiful how this is about names this is about definition this is about you this is about like if you can't wait to be king what kind of king would you be why do you want to be king who are you even to want to be king and what does that mean right now you know does that mean control does that mean autonomy does that mean freedom in some respect that you don't have right now does that mean the license to define yourself? If so, how? If so, what are you pushing back against? If not, does it mean like you want to accrue things? Like, is this about attaining? Is this about mm. being better than? Or is it about being better point blank? Like, these are like really deep questions. And he asked Simba all of these questions. Who are you? You know, like you're not Mufasa. You're mm. not Nala. You're certainly not any of these things that you've been trying to be. And you're certainly not this trauma of I killed my father. So what are you? You know, if not the guy who somehow made a life for himself with his friends and found joy, albeit through dissociation, but found joy and a mm -hmm. new life after something horrendous happened to him. Mm -hmm. That's a big win. Like, I, I really feel like we do a disservice to Simba by dismissing the time that he spent with Timon and Pumbaa as like bachelor nonsense <laughs> like, like teen years serious yeah mm. like he had and it. I mean that's that's kind of capitalistic in itself isn't it you know I think so oh my god Hakuna Matata we haven't even spoken about it what a wonderful phrase oh Hakuna Matata. <laughs> it ain't no passing craze. No. <laughs> Stunning. It means Stunning no worries song. for the rest of your days, you know? I think that song is so interesting because I Why? suppose it is, it's it sort of played up in the film as being like, these are just some dudes who just don't care. These are some hippie forest guys who eat really delicious looking juicy worms actually mm. yum yum ah, i agree yum I yum not a, generally a bug person but no yes. me neither but they looked absolutely delicious but yeah, yeah these the, these are guys who, who 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 don't fit into our monarchy you know they're mm. they're freewheelers and mm. this and this hakuna matata is this sort of like free love free spirit every, everything that we didn't like about the hippies yes. <laughs> And yet, it's incredible to me that even now, I'm like, no, I'm, I'm like way more into this than I am into the circle of life or yes. like the, the, the messaging of the song. I mean, I think mm -hmm. Hakuna Matata is an incredibly mm -hmm. positive, beautiful song. I don't necessarily think that like we can all subscribe to No Worries for the rest of our days, mm. but like No Worries for the rest of my day, like it's it's this you know like mm. this this last year particularly has been super hard for me and I've been dwelling on trauma trying to heal myself and then like for some reason like one of uh, a very close member of my family got really sick and 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 uh has cancer and I was like yo 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 I'm dying how am I gonna deal with this <laughs> and this guy said to me he said i'm literally here right now why are you grieving me like i'm already gone we're gonna go mm. for a walk now and we're gonna have a good time and i was like whoa yeah like very much akuna matata if i don't need to dwell on pain right now mm. then i shouldn't if i don't need to dwell on loss right now i shouldn't and 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 Simba kind of like gets to a point where he loses everything. He feels like he killed his father. He's told by someone who he trusts that he killed his father. Finds friends who for several years 
They don't know that. They don't dwell on that. They try to dwell on who he is as a person and build him up from that point. And by the time Nala comes back, he is he is understandably hesitant to revisit the site of his trauma, but his friends go with him. You know? I love that they go with him. They go with him. I'm they so love happy. Him. Oh yeah. Simba and like Pumba and Simone and Pumba with all of his issues with flatulence and like <laughs> fat phobia within his community yeah. and Timon with all of his issues with like people rejecting him for being such and such a kind of person like they go with him and they're like oh yeah we've been rejected by people before that's okay mm-hmm. we're not gonna reject you though because we're all we have until we have more than this. And then it turns out that their best friend is a king. And they're mm-hmm. like, Your Majesty. <laughs> <laughs> because they always such saw an him amazing that way. moment. Such an amazing <laughs> moment. What I love truly about Timon and Pumbaa is that I think they are the only people who truly know Simba as an adult. Yes. Because everybody else is is in service to him um, yes. and have to bow to him. And yes. th- that's kind of been this privilege that he's enjoyed for his whole life, that he can get away with whatever he wants. Yes. Um, whereas Timon and Pumbaa, they, they call him out. And they, yes. they're, they're not, a, but, they, but then at the end, when they're like, your majesty, and you're like, oh, so respectful. Yes. Such respectful boys. Yeah, their familiarity doesn't mean that they want to diminish him. And that's mm-hmm. so important. Like, they know who he wants to be. And they're mm-hmm. very sensitive to listening to him tell them who he wants to be and who he is, actually. Not who he should be and who he has been. Or what know? his title like, is. And or what, what his, his title is. Like, yeah. I... I completely agree with you. Like, I felt like for a large majority of my childhood, I tried to live underneath this idea of like a model minority. And that's why this thing hit me so hard. You know, like um, we made it out the mud, like me and my family, like my family are doctors. What does that mean? Well, actually, it means that my dad's career and my mom's career are their own and they want to help people and they did it a certain way. But people like deify that kind of occupation in a way that they diminish the occupation that I chose. And I grew up sort of like feeling like the Obama girls, you know, like sometimes Mm. people will like throw on you the sense of responsibility and like wait. Like, are you going to live up to your parents' legacy? It's like. I don't even think they're asking me to do that. But, like, I do have the sense of, oh, you're the oldest child. You have to behave in this particular way. You're Mm. part of this community. You have to behave in a particular way. You're a part of a very limited, very small pool of Zambian people in an Irish society. And we don't have much representation. So you got to do it the right way or else. Mm. Was there ever talk of you becoming a a doctor? Oh, hell yeah. Oh, yeah. a lot. Yeah, absolutely. Like it was it was the thing from like zero to when I started obsessing over books when I was like nine. It's mm. like you're going to be exactly like your parents and you're going to uh, you're going to be a doctor. You know, he was like to do with the brain and your mom studied radiography and x-rays and you're gonna do something maybe with the heart or with pediatric pediatricians like whatever and I was Mm. like "Mm, I could be a good doctor I could Mm. I still could if I decide in like a couple years that this is what I don't want to devote my life to but like it's not what I want you know and there were very 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 few people who were willing to listen to what I want Mm. And I'm just lucky that, like, my parents were pretty much one of those people. Like, do you know, both of them, they, like, in their own ways were, like, you're really emotional. You like to work with words. You like to work with people. But you don't really want to have a head for this. Like, you don't really want to spend seven years studying medicine. Mm. Okay. What do you want to do? Now, they thought I was going to be a politician. I was like, (laughs) 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 no. (laughs) But like by the time I got into music, it was like this. It was definitely like a like a almost a coming to Christ Simba moment where I was just like, wow, everything that I thought I was going to be is now dead. 
Mm-hmm. Um, I didn't even think I was going to be a musician for the longest time. I didn't. Well, I was. Yeah. I was going to ask where you 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 kind of came to words before you came to music. Yeah, like music you, was an you, accident. You were a writer. Yeah. You are a writer, but you, yeah. you, were, you were then too. Hopefully still a good one. Who knows? But like, <laughs> I, I, was, I was mainly interested in writing and poetry and spoken word. Mm-hmm. And music was something that I was peripherally interested in, but it was something that felt gatekept in my life for whatever reason. Like there are certain people who do music and that's not me because I don't mm-hmm. sing. You know, like if I was going to be a rapper, I should be around a wide community of rappers. But I wasn't not until Mm. like 2013 properly, you know, like and even then I was sort of like hanging on the periphery of those communities. But like now I'm like. I love talking to folk singers. I like go down to Dolan's every now and again and I like sit in the corner with a drink and I listen to people singing Shanos like I, I like fiddle music. I like jazz music. I like literally almost every community that i'm a part of like intrinsically is either adjacent to what i do or a part of what i do in a really convoluted way where our relationship isn't based on rapping together Mm -hmm. you know like and so this was all an accident i'll Mm -hmm. say it again an accident that Mm -hmm. ended up working out really well for me um, that I'm really happy with but it wasn't something I aspired to because I thought I wasn't allowed to do it as mm-hmm. myself you know like I love Nicki Minaj did I think that I would be a rapper no because why I don't like the way women who are rappers are treated point blank mm-hmm. period I don't like it I don't like the way they're written about I don't like the way they're discussed I don't like the way they're observed I don't like the way people hold their work I don't like it if I was going to be anything, I would have been a singer. I would have worked on Broadway, actually. Mm-hmm. Um, but it turned out that I liked this. It turned out that this is what was happening in me. It turned out that this is what I wanted to do. And my parents were like, oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, oh, no. <laughs> but we did it, you know? Mm-hmm. like, and And it's really, really cool. Cause like I feel like I'm in that sort of sim. Uh, I I feel like I'm in that Simba with Timon and Pumbaa moment. Yeah, yeah. I mean, are you, are you saying God knows I'm really are your Timon and Pumbaa? That's exactly and what I'm saying. If That's you are, exactly. I want to know which one is which. <laughs> I refuse to say because I think it will be too funny. But like like at the same I th- time, I think they like, they both hold a lot of Timon and they yeah, both hold Pumbaa. I'll tell you what, like um. God knows is more Simba and Merli is more Rafiki. Mm. Yeah. Maybe I'm Nala. Maybe I'm Sarabi. Like, yeah. I don't maybe know. you're the rock. Maybe I'm Pride Rock. Exactly. Yeah. That's maybe. Maybe I'm one of the like silent zebras who finally got a chance to sing. That's kind of yeah. more what it feels like more days, mm. you know? But like to have to have these relationships around me is very much like you're lost in that moment before someone comes to you and says, hey, have children now because mm. you're getting on in your ears or like get married now or you mm. have to you have to do it this way because this is what uh, success means as a female rapper or this is what joy means. Like this is this is how you have to behave in order to look like you're moving ahead in your career. I'm not doing that. Like, I'm still lost in this bit where, like, I'm eating bugs with my friends, metaphorically, and I'm, (laughs) like, having a good time and, like, playing in waterfalls and still enjoying the wonder of discovering yourself Mm -hmm. Uh, and listening to people say, now you have to grow up, now you got to sign to a label, now you've got to do this, that, and the third. And I am not doing that, Mm -hmm. you know, not because I can't but because I don't want to and because I actually think that this is the sweetest part of the journey Mm. is when you still get to acknowledge you're on a journey, you know, like, and this is the part where I know Simba felt more like a king than he did when he was sitting on fried rock, having like the entirety of the world bowing to him. Yes. Because that's also a caricature and a costume somehow. I mean, he doesn't wear a crown ever, but you, you know the difference between Simba when he's at. You do. When he's not. 
Simba was more a king when he couldn't wait to be a king than when he became a king. Yeah. That was him. You know, like, I always look at that and I'm like, nah, you didn't gain emotional maturity. You just sort of, like, sacrifice your ambitions Mm -hmm. for the people around you. He was more like Scar as a kid, honestly, than he was like Mufasa. And they Mm -hmm. beat it out of him. And then his dad died and he had to work that out on his own and he found friends who could like patch him up and then he went back and he was boring. Sorry to say it like that. <laughs> not sorry at all. He was boring. He was boring. And he that's went the back circle of life. Boring. He yes. became Mufasa. You know? We, we haven't hit on the Elton John songs so he's he wrote um songs that we've discussed okay but he he also performs can you feel the love tonight in the end title he does and it is so 90s i haven't listened to that in so long and it's so incredibly sheeny studio like elton oh my god you're you're into it Yes, I am. I, yeah. I can't lie. I love power ballads and I love like the can you feel the love? You know where every sentence is punctuated? <laughs> like, I feel like this is a lost art. This is arcane magic at this point in our lives, in our musical lives. And mm. ah, I miss the also, earnestness of that. Yes. Thank you. Of Celine I, Dion, like of that kind of vibe. Meatloaf, you know. I just miss that earnestness. Do you know what? I I learned how to sing because of these people. Like mm-hmm. my thing was like Anastasia. I don't know if you watched that. Uh it was also like all of the like Thumbelina, mm. uh, the Don Bluth movies, you know, Fern Gully. Um, I learned how to sing because of that woman, Jody, Josie, something who played Ariel in The Little mm. Mermaid. She had a particular way of like, look at this stuff. Isn't it neat? Like this like sweet, like <laughs> high pitched, like head voice thing. This is how I learned to sing like mm-hmm. a white woman. And I was very happy with that because like it served me extremely well. And I was like, oh my gosh, thank you guys. But like I will forever have a soft spot for that. Like because I'm like, this is what made me. This is what made me. Like, like I, I I'm always like laughing at myself at like the way I sing R and B especially because like my voice broke when I was 19, mm. and I stopped singing for three years because my voice broke. I don't know whether it was like my hormones like shifted or what was going on, but like I went from like being a soprano to almost being a tenor, and mm. I was like. What is going on? Um, by the time I started singing again, I was like, "How do you do Disney Princess, but like from down here?" And and I think you you sing. Be prepared. I do. <laughs> I think you do. I think that's you do. it. I think you, you sing do. the better songs, in my opinion. Oh my god, that's like yes. yeah. Well, thank you for stroking my ego and making me feel great. <laughs> like like poor unfortunate souls and be prepared. Mm. There's mm-hmm. two of the best. But I mean, I I, I would so much rather sing Be Prepared than He's holding back, he's hiding. You know, that, that you know. Me too. <laughs> Me too. Me too. <laughs> <laughs> and yeah, I love I love Elton. I think Elton did a wonderful job with his with his songs on this. And I think it is that earnest quality yes. to just how much he loved these lions yes very and how much sincere. he loved this story yeah and i think hans loved these lions so much yes i yes. think he had he had lost his father not that long before he was scoring this because i think at this point in the 90s he was scoring mostly kind of action films and stuff mm-hmm. and then so when this came out it was like this huge emotional score and yeah, that must have been a bit of a surprise for people to kind of hear this from this guy. And yes. then yeah, it's it's so it's such an emotional soundtrack. 
Yes. And I think even if you hadn't seen the film, you could listen to this and get a sense of like, yes, just how absolutely. high the stakes are emotionally. Right. We haven't spoken yet about the scored songs here, the the a lyrical songs, mm-hmm. the the soundtrack really. Um, mm-hmm. Tell me about those the, the the feelings that you feel when you hear that score because it oh is so goodness. emotive. So you know emotional. The most, uh, emotional one for me, and I will sing it to you because it plays Please in do. my dreams, right? <clears throat> do, 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 you see that thank you for that because it's very unlikely that we're going to get clearance from disney to play any of the songs but we have that (laughs) (laughs) i would have played all of that like oh my god that is you feel something right it did it absolutely did yeah it's beautiful like it, it it's it's a otherworldly sort of thing. It's a melody that you're kind of shocked has never been stumbled across before yes. or hasn't made itself aware to yes. somebody before. And it made itself aware to Hans Zimmer. And you're like, wow, yes. okay. And I'm really happy that it was for this story. Like, so good. I think that's used when Simba is on his way to see his dad in the clouds is that or and, and during that moment after yeah. Rafiki yeah that could be kind of Rafiki's uh, refrain yeah yeah also do da da do 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 da da do 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 da da do 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 da 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 as as far as announcements go, this this is a score that is full of like just amazing, ama- like the music communicates with you. Whether mm-hmm. you know a lot about scoring a soundtrack and like technical music or not, like this is hitting you in the head. Like the music is telling you everything you need to know. And that's the genius of it to me mm-hmm. is that like, like Hans Zimmer did this on The Prince of Egypt as well. Like, which is one of my favorite movies, too. Um, but, like, in, in this way where, like, I am so amazed by the fact that he managed to capture something that, like, I think a lot of Jewish people can, like, relate to their culture in terms of music and the way it flows while remaining a part of, like, a mainstream canon. Mm. And me as part of, like a sub-Saharan African culture can like listen Mm -hmm. to that and like listen to certain elements that he included that feel like home Mm. you know but also feel like the the first words in the score are in Zulu is that right? Zulu or Swahili I don't know South African South Africa and Southern Africa are so different but like it's also like I felt it in my gut like that like to, to to open it's 1994 you're opening the your your score in your blockbuster hit with an African language and my favorite thing in the world is that translated it's something like here comes the lion here's the lion look at the baby lion (laughs) (laughs) yes we should look at the lion please look at the lion (laughs) yes and and yet because it's in another language it seems so it's like mysterious you know what could they be saying and it's like they're just saying there's a lion coming yeah there's a lion there's a lion coming (laughs) like i can't tell you how many people i I know uh usually zimbabwean people who are called simba oh really Um, yeah because this is just a name like this is just like it's just it's just a name with a meaning it's, it's like it's like calling someone brian you know okay so sim simba's like a tom or a brian or a Dave. yeah like simba literally means lion uh the same way like the name brian might mean nobility sure the same way the name lawrence is attached to the idea of laurel leaves and means victory do you know what i mean like andrea i think means um 
masculinity and manliness. <laughs> oh wow, that kind of stuff. So yeah, like androgyny yeah. and like whatever we attach to the meaning of masculinity. Denise yeah. means um, as pertaining to the god Dionysus and all of his things with wine and theatrical madness and oh, no, it doesn't doesn't suit you at all no not at all no <laughs> not at all no. that's not you by the time this podcast goes out um you've got a new single out haha <laughs> i do oh my yeah, gosh ti- ti- time is fake um so time doesn't exist it yes. doesn't tell tell me about the new single how how are you feeling now that it's out in the world i am <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh i didn't know time was that fake all right um <laughs> Um, I, I I am really Her, excited yeah. in advance about this the music video and the single together because I feel mm-hmm. like last the last year has been me just acclimatizing to people like I feel like I've been a scared cat just sort of like <laughs> deciding whether or not I want to be pet by people and I just have gone no I like this okay cool because everything in its own time even though time is fake and I did this music video. Um, and I'm really, really excited about it coming out because like, I don't know, I, we've talked about Hamlet and I love Ophelia and I've always wanted to have the redemption for Ophelia and like allow her to speak and not just die because some random guy decided that he had control over her destiny. And I wanted to make sure that I had control over my destiny and how would that look and how in the sense that like maybe i started ansha as a bulbasaur and i incl- i i progressed to an ivy sore and now i'm like whatever the last stage of that evolution process is so this song is called 061 and i love it because i'm not just talking about limerick 061 ca- covers a large swathe of geographical territory in the southwest from limerick city to shannon and kind of like a little bit of Tipperary I think and and it's really just like about acknowledging that like I want to be this hybrid between Janelle Monet, Nicki Minaj and Lauren Hill and also Harry Potter and Lion King and all these things but like in Ireland and particularly here and particularly as a person who loves black people but doesn't have to be Angela Davis and doesn't have to have my afro out and can have a red wig on for the rest of my life and also like want to plug into every community I'm in and tell people that they are supported and loved um so I can't think of a better person for that very specific job that very specific niche right that niche <laughs> it's yours thank you i hope well, other people come and play with me though because like I that's think... kind of the aim and i'm really happy that we did this together because like, this was so lovely yeah i very much and i this. love you and you're really, you too. really amazing and i'm really <laughs> glad that you're doing this podcast because like thank you yeah man like it's cool and very special and yeah we should be friends mm-hmm. forever um, as you well know, I am very terrible at taking uh, compliments and nice things being leveled at me. So I know. I'm going to say thank you very much, Denise Tyler, and goodbye. <laughs> Thanks so much to Denise. This has been My Favourite Album with me and Rhea Cleary, an original production with Tall Tales. 